welcome to the Ghosties Podcast. I'm Christina, a psychic medium. And I'm Missy, a medium-ish. We are besties who look for ghosties. Join us as we talk all things paranormal, go on the occasional investigation, and receive messages from spirit and our spirit guides along the way. This is Ghosties. (laughs) Oh, hello. Oh, hello. Welcome to the Ghosties podcast. Yes. What is happening? Oh, I'm just in complete panic study mode for (laughs) my praxis, praxis exam. I'm literally like studying until I fall asleep. And as soon as I get up, I'm just on my phone doing all this practice quizzes and flashcards. And I know the parts of cells now. (laughs) (laughs) I have made up rhymes to memorize the order of like species and the animal kingdom and everything that we don't teach in elementary school, but that they make you take to become an elementary school teacher. So however that makes sense, we're going to go with it interesting (laughs) the practice is such a scam like and I've been hearing people talk about it lately but we're teaching things that you would never learn did you learn about the war of 1812 when you were in fourth grade no absolutely did you learn about velocity and altitude and acceleration now I will say I feel like I learned about that in science in like fourth fourth and fifth grade I don't remember any of that. And do you want to know the kicker? Hmm. We don't teach science anymore. What? <laughs> what? I'm, I'm serious. What? So what did they learn? Well, here's the thing. In the early grades, I should say, you are basically either a reading teacher or a math teacher, or you do both. Um, and then you have like a unit every nine weeks or something where you might focus like second grade did one on matter and um, the different forms of matter. So solids, liquid gas, and you do like a little unit on it. Um, They combined it with like weather or something. And then of course, like black history month, we did historical figures. So that was kind of like a social studies unit, but uh -uh, it ain't the same. I am a little, alarmed about that (laughs) yeah I think like now our school only goes to third grade and we did the same thing in third grade last year um like one of their units they learn is bugs parts of bugs so that's science um but I know once they go to a different school in our district they do have science classes there but it appears it starts more of like fifth sixth grade maybe where you actually have a science class. It might even start in fourth, but I don't know. I know that up through third grade, it's just not even really a big thing. I wish you could see my face right now because (laughs) I like kids are little sponges. Like who decides what kids get to learn and what they don't get to learn. The Virginia department of um, education. (laughs) Whoever decided that primary age children should not learn specifically about the subjects of science that's alarming (laughs) now something they have that my class didn't get to be a part of last year and I don't know if others did is um once like every other week there's a woman that comes around and she does like a little 
video and a little activity with them. And I'm, it's like science based, but like, as far as it really being incorporated in the curriculum, it is not. So the fact that I have to study what is on the periodic table of elements and where it's positioned and why makes me annoyed. It makes me annoyed that they're not teaching our kids science. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I have this whole theory on like education and like the things that we do teach them Mm -hmm. just drives me insane. Whereas things they could learn or maybe like I just have this thing and I have this whole idea and maybe this happens somewhere and I just am not aware of it. But once they get to a certain age, like middle school towards high school, I feel like they should be able to pick their own curriculum. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't feel like they should be forced to take an upper level math class if they want to be an artist. You know, if they know they love art, then why are they not able to pick? Obviously, you need to know your basic, like, let's continue with a little bit of English and, you know, stuff like that. But let them pick more performance art based curriculum. They're going to perform better and they're going to know if that's their career path or not versus sticking them in all of the standard courses, you know, and only allowing them one or two electives and never really getting to get their feet wet in like the subject matter that they're passionate about. Yeah. Yeah. That makes total sense. Yeah. I just feel like that's, you know, I don't know, but this isn't a teacher podcast. So I probably shouldn't even go there, but that was just in my mind one day, this whole like self-choice, like, you know, curriculum-based school system. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll develop that one day. I mean, it makes sense because, I mean, technically, you know, our tax dollars do pay for public school education. I mean, they should be able to pick what they want to take towards the end of, you know, their their time. And yeah. If they know what they're going to be taking and, like, what their majors are going to be in school, then why not? Like, we push them, pick a college, pick a major, what are you going to be when you grow up? But we don't give them enough tools to really explore that to see if that's for them, you know? I had this idea of what I thought I wanted to be and then it didn't work out. So I quit college and now it took me 20 years to figure that out. But maybe had I had more options, um, I don't know. Things could have worked out differently. I don't know. But what's been, go ahead. Sorry. It it makes me think too, like when I was a kid, my favorite class to be in was science. I loved being in science class. And that was one of the reasons why I made the decisions that I made as an adult about what line of work I went into. So, you know, it's just different. (laughs) Yeah, I just, I I never loved science. But what's funny is I also did not like math as a child. But now the way my brain works as an adult, figuring out math problems, I, it's like a rush for me. Like, I absolutely love it. Like, I should not be spending as much time working on the math praxis, um, like practice tests that I am, but I just love it so much that it's hard not to like figure out angles of triangles and stuff. When the math comes together and you know you got it right, it's just like satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. That's so different too than like, you know, when you were first taking your math class, you were like, stab me in the eye with a pencil. Yeah. Stressed out. And depending on who your, you know, instructor is, who your teacher is, you know, if they're not helpful or they like today, I just see teachers going out of their way now to change the learning process. It's more hands-on, like they've learned. You can't just put it on a board and have them get it. You have to give them tools so that they can have manipulatives and touch it and like work it out in a different way other than eye on the board, write it on the paper. 
Right. And it makes it more like engaging and it, it just clicks better. So they are figuring that stuff out, but <laughs> some of the other stuff they could do away with. Yeah. So what's been going on with you? Nothing much. Kyle is up in Richmond for that NASCAR race. Um, he went up there with a couple of his buds. So he's up there until later tonight. I have the house to myself today. So we're just chilling out here. I was working on uh, some of my stuff for next week's session. So nice. Yeah. Are you doing any like big promotions or anything or just not that I know of just yet? Probably uh, like once we get closer to the summer, I will. Oh, maybe like a Mother's Day thing or something. Oh, yeah, maybe. That's right around the corner. I know, right? Isn't that crazy? Yeah. How is it already April? I know. I know. I felt like I blinked from December and all of a sudden we're in April. <laughs> all of a sudden here. It's, I mean, it's been almost two months since Logan's birthday. Can you believe that? That's crazy. Yeah. Month and a half. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I felt like I was just there. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Hey y'all, it's Christina from the Ghosties Podcast, and I get this question all the time. How can I book a session with you? Head on over to christinathemedium.com. I offer meet your spirit guide sessions, spirit chat phone calls with yours truly, distance Reiki by proxy sessions, as well as Reiki certification classes. If you've been thinking for a while now about jumpstarting your spiritual awakening and healing journey, definitely check out christinathemedium.com or find me on my TikTok channel at Christina the Medium and click on my link tree to book a session. Looking forward to working with each of you. Love y'all. Hello. Literally just sitting there like, is she going to send the link? Is everything okay? Um, it didn't notify me that you sent me a message. So I had to like go in and see if there was one there. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm sure goodness. So today is kind of an interesting, exciting collaboration that we've done. Oh, are we doing this one today? Oh, we're not. I, I didn't know. I was going to ask you. Oh my God. What are we doing? <laughs> I have another one planned in case. <laughs> oh, we can do yours. It's fine. Okay. Okay. We'll save it for another day. Okay. No that'll, worries. <laughs> that'll give us time. We hadn't really talked about it. That'll give us time to talk about what we experienced yesterday. Perfect. Yes. Cool. All right. So then today we are talking about poltergeists. Ooh. Yeah. Poltergeists. Um, so this was actually requested. Hey, Ruby. Ruby down. Sorry. The dog is in here with me and she's looking outside at like a army of squirrels running around. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so this was requested. I had put out some feelers on Instagram and TikTok, basically asking our following, what do they want to hear more of? And somebody had requested us to do an episode on poltergeists. So I thought that was cool. So what is a poltergeist exactly? According to the Wikipedia, uh, poltergeist the, and the word poltergeist is German for rumbling ghost or new, uh, or noisy spirit. Rumbling ghost. <laughs> it's a type of ghost or spirit that is responsible for physical disturbances, such as loud noises and objects being moved or destroyed. Most claims are fictional descriptions of poltergeists, um, and they often show them as being capable of pinching, biting, hitting, and tripping people. Uh, their depiction uh, is basically captured as 
an entity that has the ability to move or levitate objects, furniture, cutlery, and create noises uh, within the space, as well as like rapping noises, like knocking on doors, things like that. Foul smells are also associate, associated with poltergeist occurrences, um, as well as spontaneous fires and different electrical occurrences, uh, such as flickering lights. Oh, you mean like everything in your house? Yes. Got exactly. it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, it says they've traditionally been described as troublesome spirits who haunt a particular person instead of a specific location. Some variation of poltergeist folklore is found in many different cultures. Early claims of spirits that supposedly harass and torment their victims date back to the first century, but references to poltergeists became more common uh, in the early 17th century. Um, so this was one of the earliest stories of a poltergeist that I could find. This was from the mid 1600s. Um, and it says this incident of a poltergeist is described um, as having taken place at the house of Weaver. <laughs> Gilbert. Weaver. Yeah, Weaver. Weaver Gilbert Campbell during October of 1654. It was said that a beggar named Alexander Agnew was refused a handout by Mr. Campbell. The beggar, Alexander, had promised to cause the family harm over the next two years. And as the two years unfolded, strange phenomena uh, was alleged to have occurred in the house. This included the mysterious cutting of warp thread. I don't know what that is. Okay. Uh, demonic voices, strange whistling noises, and stones being thrown. Uh, the poltergeist claimed... Um, have been dismissed by researchers as a hoax. Um, another historian that did some work on this particular story named Thomas Frost suggested that the phenomena was uh, a result of conjuring trickery. The story was given to Sinclair, um, which was another writer apparently, by Campbell's son Thomas, a philosophy student from a college in Glasgow um, that was living in the household at the time. Um, he suggested that Thomas basically had created the phenomena fraudulently. Um, to me, this feels more like a curse than like culture. Right. When he said he was going to like do something to the guy for not giving me a handout, that's exactly what, like where my mind went. Yeah. This felt more like a curse. And then, you know, then that begs the question, was it really a curse or was it this guy mentally almost like thought that he was going to be so he created that phenomena for himself that paranoia exactly um the second story that i found was from 1661 um this was called the case of the drummer of tedworth um it was alleged that a poltergeist manifestation in the west country of england was uh witnessed by a man named joseph glanville Early accounts reported that in 1661, a local landowner named John Mompesson, owner of a house in the town of Tedworth, now called Tidworth in Wiltshire, um, had brought a lawsuit against an unlicensed vagrant drummer named William Drury, whom he accused of collecting money by false pretenses. After this gentleman won the judgment against the drummer, the drum was turned over by the local bailiff. Um, Momsen then found his house plagued. It was turned over by the man who won the judgment. So this man basically found that his house was plagued by nocturnal drumming noises after that. Oh. Yeah. It was alleged that the drummer had bought um, 
these plagues of noise upon the house owner's head by witchcraft. Drury was said to have been associated with a band of gypsies as well. And we don't call them that anymore. But Not this- the gypsies, honey. <laughs> this was in the Wikipedia, so I'm just reading the Wikipedia. Mm. Um, so this, again, like, sounds like that are very prevalent in poltergeist activity. Like, if y'all remember in uh, the Amityville Horror, one of the things that they reported that was very typical that sounded like poltergeist activity, uh, Mr. Lutz basically heard a marching band in their house playing. So that was very along the same lines in terms of the phenomena that they were experiencing. Um, Glanville, who visited the house in 1663, had claimed to have heard strange scratching noises under a bed and in one of the children's rooms also. Um, again, this kind of felt like this was this dude's guilty conscience that he had taken this guy's drum, basically, and that was probably his only means of income. And so his guilty conscience basically was making him feel like he was still hearing that drum being played. Right. Um, when I asked basically like the guys like, well then, okay, then what about the scratching noises that they were hearing under the beds of the kids? They were like, um, pests. Oh yeah, there you go. Uh, rats. Nice. That'll do it. (laughs) That'll do it. Um, so the third story that I found, this was, um, called the Epworth Rectory Haunting. It was also known as the Wesley Poltergeist. Um, and it's one of the best known English poltergeist claims. Um, from December of 1716 until January of 1717, it is said to have been plagued by a series of regularly occurring mysterious loud noises and knockings, claimed to have been caused by a ghost that Wesley's fourth oldest daughter, Hetty, nicknamed, quote, Old Jeffrey, who was said to have made his presence known to all on Christmas Day in 1716. Um, In Mrs. Wesley's words, quote, there was such a noise in the room over our heads as if several people were walking, then running up and down the steps that we thought that the children would be frightened. According to the tale, as she and her husband searched the house in vain for the culprit, quote, old Jeffrey continued rattling and thundering in every room and even blowing an invisible horn at deafening decibels. Old Jeffrey supposedly disappeared in January of 1717 as suddenly as he had appeared. Um, I thought that was interesting because it's centered around their daughter, Hetty, and she was a teenager. There you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, this next story is called um, The Great Amherst Mystery. It was a uh, notorious case of reported poltergeist activity in Amherst, Nova Scotia within Canada between 1878 and 1879. The Amherst mystery centered on Esther Cox, who lived in a house with her married sister, Olive Teed. Olive's husband, Daniel, and their two children uh, were also present within the home. Oh, you okay? Uh, What was that? I don't know. I thought it was you. No. Oh, God. (laughs) I I was like, I thought you like dropped your microphone or something. I'm literally sitting still. Nope. Okay. Uh, (laughs) It's happening. (laughs) I'm serious. I really thought you, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> did she like drop a headset or something? <laughs> no. Oh no. It's happening. Um, so they said um, a brother and a sister of Esther and Olive also lived in the house, as did Daniel's brother, John Teed. According to their accounts, events, oops, my computer just scrolls all of a sudden by itself. It's happening. You really didn't drop anything because I really swear. <laughs> no. 
not like it came straight from you. No, I promise. <sighs> Friend. <laughs> oh, I think I know why. I remember what? the story. I think I know why you're gonna you're gonna see in just a second. Okay. Um, okay, so again, brother and sister Esther and Olive lived in the house, as did Daniel's brother John Teed. According to Hubble's account, events began at the end of August of 1878 after Esther Cox, then aged 18, was subjected. And trigger warning, y'all, we're gonna be talking about sexual assault just very briefly here. So if you don't, if that isn't your bag, skip a minute in this episode. Mm. Um, Esther was subjected to an attempted sexual assault by a male friend at gunpoint during this time. Um, this left her in great distress, as many of us would be able to sympathize. Um, and shortly after the physical phenomena in the house began, uh, there were knockings, bangings, loud crashes, uh, rustling at night, and Esther herself began to suffer quote-unquote seizures in which her body visibly swelled, became bright red, and became feverish, and then chilled to the bone after the fact. Oh, God. Um, then objects in the house began to move and take flight. <clears throat> um, the frightened family called a doctor because they didn't even know what to do. Um, and during this visit, bedclothes moved. Scratching noises were heard, and the words, Esther Cox, you are mine to kill, appeared. Yeah, he appeared on the wall above the head of Esther's bed. Um, the following day, the doctor administered sedatives to Esther to calm her down and help her sleep, whereupon more noises and flying objects manifested themselves in, in the room. Uh, attempts to communicate with the quote-unquote spirit resulted in tapped responses to questions. Um, the phenomena continued for some months and became well-known locally. Visitors to the cottage included clergymen, um, heard banging and knocking and witnessed moving objects, often when Esther herself was under close observation and could have no means to move these objects. Mm. Um, in December, Esther fell ill with diphtheria. No phenomena was observed during the two weeks that she spent in bed, nor during the time that she spent recuperating afterwards at the home of a married sister in Sackville, New Brunswick. However, when she returned to Amherst, the mysterious events became, began again and with more uh, power behind them. This time involving the outbreak of random fires in various places throughout the house. Um, Esther herself now claimed to see a quote, ghost, which threatened to burn the house down unless she left. Hmm. Um, in January of 1879, Esther moved in with another local family, but the manifestations around her continued and were witnessed by many, some of whom conversed with the, quote, ghost by questioning and rapping answers were received. Um, some curious and sympathetic uh, towards this. Others believe that Esther herself was responsible for the phenomena and that she met some hostility locally because of this and this belief. Esther was, uh, Esther was frequently slapped, pricked, and scratched by the, quote, ghost. And on one occasion, she was stabbed in the back with a knife. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, interest in the case grew as the news spread. And in late March, Esther uh, spent some time in St. John, New Brunswick, where she was investigated by some local gentlemen with an interest in science. By now, several distinct spirits were apparently associated with Esther and communicating with onlookers via knocks and rappings. 
Uh, Bob Nickel, the original name of the first ghost that appeared, claimed to have been a shoemaker in life, and others identified themselves as, quote, Peter Cox, a relative of Esther's, and Maggie Fisher. After uh, after the visit to St. John, Esther spent some time um, with some local friends who had a peaceful farm near Anhurst and then returned to the Teeds Cottage um, in the summer of 1879, whereupon, again, the phenomena broke out. It was at this point that Walter Hubble arrived, attracted by uh, publicity surrounding this case, and moved into the Teed Cottage as a lodger to investigate the phenomena. Hubble spent some weeks with Esther and her family and reported having per personally witnessed moving objects, fire breaking out, and items appearing from nowhere, claiming that Esther would have had no way of creating this particular type of phenomena because it would just come out of nowhere and she wouldn't be anywhere around. Sheesh. Yeah. Um, objects would appear out of nowhere, like rapports, basically. Random objects would just appear out of thin air and fall into their general reality, which is, interestingly enough, a sign of physical mediumship. So it makes you wonder right. what, like, psychically in tune and a physical medium, and she was just repressing that. And right. This presenting itself in that way. Um, let's see. Uh, this continued um, until she was in her later years in life, it says. Esther Cox subsequently married twice, having a son by each of her husbands, and eventually moved to Brockton, Massachusetts with her second husband, and died on November the 8th of 1912 at the age of 52. Um, at one point, she did have um, some really severe arson occur. From what I understand, one of her their barns burned down at a certain point they could never figure out the actual cause as to what had created that. Mm. Um, story number five is based on the Enfield or the Enfield poltergeist uh, incident, which was actually what the conjuring two was based on. Okay. Um, the Enfield poltergeist was a claim of supernatural activity at two, eight, four green street, a council house in Brimsdown Enfield in London. England. <laughs> This happened between 1977 and 1979. The alleged poltergeist activity centered around sisters Janet, ages 11, and Margaret Hodgson, age 13. Uh, in August of 1977, a single parent, Peggy Hodgson, uh, called the Metropolitan Police um, to her rented home at 284 Green Street in Enfield, London, claiming that she had witnessed furniture moving and that two of her four children had heard knocking sounds on the walls. The children, including Margaret 13 and Janet 11. A woman, uh, or a female, I should say, a female police constable reported uh, witnessing a chair, quote, wobble side to side, but could not determine the cause of the movement. Later claims included disembodied voices, loud noises, thrown toys, overthrown chairs, and the children themselves actually levitating. Ugh. Yeah. Over a period of 18 months, more than 30 people, including their neighbors, psychic researchers, journalists, said that they saw various uh, different phenomena and paranormal activity within the house. They saw heavy furniture moving on its own accord, options, objects being thrown across the room, and the sisters seemingly levitating several feet off the ground on several occurrences. No, thank you. <laughs> Many also heard and recorded knocking noises and a gruff voice speaking. 
Um, the story was regularly covered by the Daily Mirror newspaper until reports came to an end in 1979. They were actually investigated by Ed and Lorraine Warren, from my understanding. Oh, those guys. So, you know, naturally, it was demons. <laughs> yeah, might as well. If, if, if old Jack Wagons had been alive then, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, it says, according to Peggy Hoxson, um, the haunting of her home uh, began in August of 1977. Um, she said that it started basically with like a crash that she heard upstairs. And when she went to investigate, she found Margaret and Janet cowering in the corner of the room. Um, the children later said, we told our mom that the chest of drawers was moved towards the bedroom door. And she said, oh, that's silly. She couldn't replicate that for herself because it was too heavy. Mm. So she didn't believe them. Uh, it was, um, again, it was investigated by Ed in the 1970s. Um, and, you know, as we all know, the conjuring too, based off of this particular case. You're getting pretty choppy. I just want you to know that. Fantastic. It's been kind of a little, like, not severe the whole time, but like little, once in a while, little breaks. Oh. Um, yeah, but now it's getting a little more choppy. Gotcha. Does it still sound that way now? Nope, you're good. Okay. So the last story I wanted to tell, I mean, I've told this before in this podcast, but just as a refresher, when I was a teenager, I, we had a lot of really odd paranormal activity kick, kick up in our house. And in hindsight, I think a couple of different things were going on. I think that I was a teenager and teens have this ability to kind of kick up that poltergeist activity because you're in a liminal state. You're not a kid anymore, but you're not quite an adult yet either. And liminality has a tendency to pull the paranormal towards it. Um, I think I've always probably been a medium and I didn't have a way to have an outlet for that. And so maybe psychically I was expressing myself in that way. Um, but I also think I had a lot of anger towards my parents. And I think that it's interesting that we saw my quote unquote mother without eyes on a certain occasion with my brother was that my anger that I had towards my mother manifesting itself in the house? I don't know. Who's to right. say? But we had very similar activity. Electronics would turn on and off by themselves, the TV specifically, and lights would blow or, you know, turn on and off by themselves. Um, you would hear these loud noises, like loud crashing in various areas of the house, and you'd go and investigate thinking you were going to find a whole bunch of broken stuff and there'd be nothing. Um, we heard disembodied voices, voices that sounded like our own, calling for various family members, and there was nobody there. Um, pictures turning themselves over without provocation. Um, physical apparitions, um, specifically of seeing my mother one night. Um, but we saw my mother, but she basically looked like her, but without eyes. So it, it makes you wonder. So yeah. I my guides basically what is going on with poltergeist activity specifically and again i think that there's a component of this that we'll never have all the answers to because i think that when this happens there's multiple things likely that are going on um so but this is what the guys said they said number one obviously it could be a spirit with a consciousness that's causing all that craziness and they are just mimicking poltergeist activity in order to gain entry into a space um, it could be, that, again, around a young kid that's going through puberty. And, you know, just like what we 
that has the tendency to create a liminal type of energy within the space. Um, are you making a sound? No, but you just broke up for a second. Okay. Um, <laughs> it sounds almost like you're in a rocking chair. Um, well, my chair does make a little noise from time to time, but I'm trying to be very still. So it could have been, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm really just sitting here trying to be still with my legs propped up. So it doesn't make any noise. <laughs> Um, number three, they said often, again, there's somebody in the house that has latent psychic abilities and they're just not aware of it. And it's manifesting in these really like in your face type of ways. Um, number four, they said there could be somebody that someone is super pissed off at and there is no way for them to outwardly express that anger or frustration. And so it is presenting itself in a psychic way, you know, just like what we learn in science energy never dies. It just changes forms. Right. So who's to say that that anger that I had as a kid just physically manifested itself as the phenomena in our house. Um, it could be again, like what we talked about that somebody has physical mediumship abilities in terms of like physical mediums can create physical phenomena in the reality. They can create ectoplasm. Um, they can create, uh, like physical apparitions of people that have passed on. They often have the ability to pull rapports and like objects basically out of thin air. Um, that is extremely rare in terms of physical mediumship, but it does happen. There was a lady back in the eighties that I think her name was Katie, but she had the ability to gold would start growing on her skin. Oh my God, can you imagine? Yeah. Right. But she had like it looked almost like gold foil would start growing on her skin until it would get bigger and oh bigger. God. She had gemstones coming out of her ears, eyes. Can, can I do that? Because I, I, I need to manifest some money right now. So like if it just wants to show up growing off of a limb for a few days, like I'd be fine with that. Let's do it. <laughs> She was, if anybody's interested in that, she was featured on uh, an Unsolved Mysteries episode from back in the 80s. Um, the other thing that they showed me was they said it was almost like an as above, so below type of energy. You know, a lot of the times in the paranormal, stuff in the paranormal is drawn to chaos that's going on in a house or a family unit. So very often whether or not it's the parents that are fighting a lot during that time. Maybe there's some, something that's unsettled between the parents relationship, whether it's the teens in the house that are fighting with the parents because they're going through their teen years, there's usually some sort of turmoil that's going on in the house. That's the as below and the as above that's basically presenting itself is the paranormal phenomena that's starting to pick up in the house. Um, last thing they showed me was they said that some of these houses where people were having these experiences were built over large running water. Um, and, yeah. And they said that that has the ability to kick up paranormal activity in houses because of whatever electromagnetic field that's created by the water. Listen, so I've been learning a lot about, <laughs> uh, the ocean and all the tectonic plates and how like volcanoes and earthquakes happen and it's just very interesting that while all the weirdness happens near the water that's also like you know where a lot of different earth happenings happen like natural disasters yes absolutely huh. totally agree yeah so this was my episode y'all <laughs> this was a good one thank 
you. Thank you. I don't know what we're doing next week. I have a couple of different topics that we could do, but we'll talk more and see when, what we want to do. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Well, guys, find us on Facebook. Uh, Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> TikTok. YouTube. And email us your stories at the ghosties podcast at gmail.com. Okay, bye.